Well, we're going to invite Caleb um, up to speak. Um, it's such a it's such an honor. I just feel like I've, I just realized I've really missed an opportunity. Um, for those who don't know me, who don't know, Caleb is my brother. Um, and husband. so, sorry, not husband. Absolutely not. Uh, my brother. Um, and we, how many times have people mistaken that through the years? That is true. That is we, true. we used to lead youth together. Yeah. Sorry, I'm taking over. Yeah. And uh, the two of us, and Brooke, the one who just did the offering, I don't know where she is, um, our little sister. So she was a bit younger. Kate and I led the youth. Brooke was in the youth. We went to a big like eastern suburbs youth rally. We walk in and we, we meet these other youth leaders for the first time. We talk to them and they're like, so is this your daughter? No, that's my sister. And she's my sister. Like, no, they're all, no. we're all, it's all a sibling type thing. I'm like, she's five years younger than us. Like, what? <laughs> Wait, thank you. Yeah, anyway. I don't know who should be more Church offended in any of those situations. Um, but well, I still feel like a missed opportunity. It's not often you get to introduce your brother. And I feel like there were so many photos or things I could have, I could have had ready to display for you um, this morning. But no, we're excited, Caleb. Not only great brother, but anointed teacher um, and always brings such an anointed word. And for those who, if it is your first time, we don't always have a stream in our in our church this morning. So we're excited to see um, where that comes into, I'm guessing that it comes into the sermon. Otherwise, we've just no, got a stream. Just, just a decoration. Just a stream here this morning. Um, so we're excited to see that. We're really excited for the word that Caleb's going to bring. So I'll say thank you to our team. And also... Okay, can we, before you, can yes. I do that part? The, the next part. The next, can I? Yes, yeah. absolutely. But before we, we send out the super catch, I was going to ask, Levi, would you like to come up here for a minute, buddy? Could you all put your hands together for Levi? Because he, this is my son, Levi. He inspired part of this sermon. Say, do you want to come up here and say hi? Because I'm speaking, so I get to bring him on stage, which he'd come anyway. Do you want to come and say hi to everyone? Wave, say hi. Hi. <laughs> Levi at the moment is learning to use the toilet. Isn't that exciting? And so the, the, uh, the, that we're right in the thick of that at the moment as parents for the first time. And so this sermon today is titled, the power of a trickle. Okay. You you have to decide at the end whether or not that's related to what we're going to... Oh, are we kneeling together, are we? Should we both stand? Awesome. Just say bye. And do you want to say it's time for Super Kids to go? Super Kids can go. Oh, thanks, buddy. All right, Super Kids, why don't you launch out to Super Kid Academy? <laughs> yes, the, the sermon title today is The Power of a Trickle. Um, this is a, a message which God has put so strongly in my heart. And I, um, not just because I'm bringing it, I really, I, I feel God had sort of put this as a particular message for our church breakthrough um, as something to declare right here, right now in this season. So I'd love you to, to join with me. Um, let's go all out after what God's going to say and, and see what he does, hey? See what, what, what he continues to do. Um, why don't we pray together to, to begin this this morning? Father, we thank you so much for the joy and the honor it is to come together uh, as family, as your community. I thank you that you didn't build us as individuals, you built us to be in community. Lord, you built us to have our lives intertwined and interconnected, and coming here each Sunday is such a, a, a beautiful central part of that. So I thank you for that. We can come and we can be encouraged and we can, we can worship you together and we can build each other up, like you said, as iron sharpens iron. And I pray that as we, as we come and explore your word today, as we dig into that, as we go deeper into what you're saying, Holy Spirit, speak your words today. Speak exactly what you've got in your heart to say to each and every one of us. Speak what you've got in your heart to say to us as a community um, and what you've got to say to each and every individual here. Um, we open our hearts right now. Wherever you are, why don't you say that? Say, I'm opening my heart to hear what you've got to say, God, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, yes, uh, this sermon uh, this morning is titled The Power of a Trickle. Um, and I'm excited to, to share what God's got, um, in his, got in his heart for us today. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Caleb. I've been part of the, the family here at Breakthrough since I was a twinkle in my father's eye. Um, I've been here all my life. Um, my, my parents are the pastors. It's a, it's a joy and honor to be, to be a part of this. But um, uh, part of the, the, this message today, if you'll indulge me for a minute, was actually to, to go back and uh, it was inspired by some of my, my ministry roots as such. Um, because some of you might have heard last week at a special general meeting. This will be announced in the coming weeks. Um, I'm very honoured and excited to actually um, be receiving my ordination as a pastor in the coming weeks. So that's exciting. No, I don't have to clap that. That's not as, But, uh, oh, you can if you Okay, give me a clap. Go on. Oh, shucks. Oh, that's too kind. Um, but I was thinking about, you know, where, where that all began um, and my first role in ministry at church. Who can guess what was my first significant ministry role? At church. No, mum, put your hand down. Um, Nicole, passing the offering? No, no. You know, I, I'm not sure I've ever actually passed the offering buckets at church. I, I probably have, let's be honest. Over 32 years, I probably have. Um, any, any other guesses? My f- Ethan? Put, oh, putting together the bulletin. That's a very good guess. But no, that was my second role. Uh, I, you know, I used to get $10 a week to design the church bulletin. Every week, everyone would get a handout bulletin that I had designed. It would take me all day on Saturday to make that bulletin, and I would get $10. And I thought, that was such a great deal. It was like $1.20 an hour. That was amazing. With inflation, now that's worth like $1.80. That's so cool. Uh, Elliot, what do you reckon it was? Welcome team. No, it wasn't the welcome team. That's a good guess, though. It's Judith. The overhead operator, yay! I saw a few people like, oh, I knew that. I should have guessed that. Because this was back before we had all the fancy, fancy screens and technology. We had the old classic overhead. How many remember the old like, actual overhead projector with the transparent things? And how many people, that was like your rite of passage. How many of our, our youth, you know, as we grew up, well, we're not the youth anymore. Like when we were the youth, we used to do that. You know, yeah, Josh, Joe, yep, hands everywhere. Started off putting those... Uh, those transparencies on. And, you know, it was always good each week to see the different styles. Some people would just say, like, set and forget. Like, whack the whole song on there and then you all can work out which part you're singing. You know, you got all the lyrics up there, deal with it. You know, or, or personally, I was like a verse at a time. So you'd have a verse and then you'd have that other sheet that you slide up so you cover the other bits and you just see the verse and then we slide him up and we're in the chorus and we get distracted and we realise, oh, we're in the second verse now and then we move back around. Um, some people, I don't know if anyone here did this, was super keen and they'd go like a line by line sort of deal. Did anyone, was anyone like a line by line overhead operator? Josh back there. Oh, yeah. No one could keep up with Josh. Just, yeah. <laughs> That's why he's still doing the screens today because he had that level of excellence that none of us could, none of us could match. Um, but that's where it began for me was, um, doing the overhead and then I moved on to bigger and better things like designing a bulletin and, um, yeah, it was very exciting. But anyway, uh, I was thinking then when I turned 18, um, I was given the, like my first leadership role at church, you know, leadership in terms of actually leading something other than an overhead machine and a, a bulletin. Um, can anyone guess what I was leading for the first time? Youth. I was leading the youth. So I was like, oh, this is like these are actual real people. These are not overhead transparencies. These are these are, these are real impressionable people. I have a responsibility, and so I, I led the youth along with Caitlin, my sister, and we um, we were we were the youth leaders for a, for a number of years at Breakthrough, 
and, and you know, we, I, I'd like to think, hopefully, we impacted the lives of, of some of the youth for better. I don't know, Chris, Josh, you guys were there. Are your lives better? Or, no, actually, don't answer that. Tell us afterwards. Let's just assume they're better off for that, for that season. Um, but we like to bring an element of fun, too. You know, how many know that youth like to have fun? You know, youth like to do things that are a bit rowdy and a bit crazy. Did anyone know that? Was anyone aware of that? And, and so we would have our, um, you know, fun nights through the year. And at the end of the year, we'd have the big breakup. And we'd have like all these big, crazy games. Now, at this point, our church was much smaller. We were in a little tiny building in Blackburn South. It used to be kindergarten. It was like a little tiny room, just like, just like a portion of this auditorium. And that was like the all-purpose everything. So on Sunday, it was the auditorium. We'd take all the chairs out. On Tuesday, it was the prayer meeting room or the Bible school. It was like Friday, it was the youth. So everything's in and out, in and out all the time. So Friday, we're getting it set up for youth. And we decide we're going to have a slip and slide inside. And so some, a number of you have heard this story. But we, and so we set up some tarpaulins, a bit like what we've got down the middle here, interestingly. And, and we'd set up these tarpaulins down the, the middle of the church, and we had a slip and slide inside the church. And I was like, oh, that'll be great fun. Um, two things happened. One, we underestimated when you put detergent on it, like how fast people go. And they like flew into the stage down the end. Um, but like no, no one was injured in any of these stories. So it was all good. And every, every church did this in their youth days. And it was over 10 years ago, so you can't sue us anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, but secondly, like we'd put all these tarpaulins down thinking it would protect the carpet, but we didn't realize like how much water and detergent there was there and how much it would seep under the tarpaulin. So after like a three-hour youth event, when we lifted up like the carpet was soaked and you could see this like outline around it. And we we're all like, oh, you know, because this is the church auditorium. This is, this is the only room in the church. And we we're like, it's all right. It's Friday night. It'll be all dry by Sunday. We'll be all there. All good. And we all walk into church on Sunday and there's this like dark stain ring <laughs> around the front. We're like... Oh, and yeah, I remember like standing there in worship and looking at Kate and we're just like, don't look at the carpet, don't look at the carpet. Like, you know, feign ignorance. No one knows what happened. So we learned from our mistakes and a year later, we had our annual breakup again and we had the slip and slide outside because that's much more wise. So we got tarpaulins and set it all up outside. And Caitlin, my sister, who has very conveniently disappeared. Uh, sorry, she's not teaching super kids. She's hiding in the car park, let's be honest. Um, her job was to buy the detergent. Because everyone knows, you know, when you do a slip and slide, you pour detergent on it, so it makes it really slippery, and you can go really far. And so she bought the detergent, and Josh, who's doing the screens, he was the first one to go down the, the slide. So Caitlin's pouring all the detergent, and we're like, like, get it real soapy, get it real soapy, get lots of that stuff on there. We want Josh to fly out of the, off the hill, you know. And so Josh comes flying down, he runs and slides down. He slides for ages, and it's so good. And then we're all cheering, yeah, we're going to go, and all the youth kids are cheering and laughing. And Josh is getting up, he's like, I can't see, I can't see. Ah. And we're all laughing and having a good time. He's like, my eyes are burning, my eyes are burning. We're all, we're all still laughing. We're like, settle down, Josh. He's like, seriously, I can't see. My eyes are burning, my body's burning. What's going on? Anyway, this is what... um. This is the detergent that Caitlin had poured on the slide that she'd picked up from the, um, <laughs> the shop. And um, we didn't know she'd accidentally gotten some hospital-grade ble- bleach. <laughs> Thinking it was the same as dish detergent. She, she shares this story herself, so she doesn't mind me sharing this. Um, so, and Josh has just like careened down this thing, hospital-grade bleach all over it. And he's like, my eyes, I can't see. Anyway. Praise God, Josh can see today. He's all good. We, um, had him we didn't send any other youth down the slide. Um, thank God. We all were at the end. We we're like, man, it smells like a swimming pool. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's because it's like bleach <laughs> everywhere here. Um, I, I don't know. Did the grass survive? At least we didn't do it in the carpet. We would have bleached the section of the carpet on the inside. <laughs> 
Yeah, Josh's clothes, like that, like he he brought those clothes out and put them through the wash and came back, and all the colour was gone from them. Like I, I remember he sent me a picture of his underwear, and it was like white. And I'm like, Lord, if that's what was doing to your underwear, I don't want to think. Well, anyway, it's like. <laughs> but Josh is all good, isn't he, buddy? Hey, two thumbs up from Josh. Put your hands together for Josh and all the previous youth leaders. Um, so anyway, that was sort of a bit where I began and. Obviously, with a background like that, that's why I get to preach today, because it like, keep me away from the, the youth and kids. But um, so I thought we'd have a slip and slide in church today. Who's excited? Yay! Now, I've, I've, I've brought some detergent, if anyone's ready to, to have a slide down. Um, no, but we're actually we're going to talk about slip and slide, because um, the, the passage that's in the Bible that is, sorry, in my heart uh, for today particularly, um, it's a, a passage from the book of Ezekiel. I believe it's a God message for our church for, for now in this season, but it actually literally talks about like God's slip and slide. It, it, it's, it's literally Ezekiel giving a prophetic vision of a slip and slide, which we tried to be the fulfillment of that back in our youth days, but didn't quite work out right. Um, so I want to read that um, to and work through it together with our, with our slip and slide here in the middle. Um, it's from Ezekiel 47. If you guys can get it ready for me, but don't put it up just yet. because um, I want to give a bit of backstory first. Um, so Ezekiel is obviously a great prophet. The, the book of Ezekiel is filled with prophetic visions of heaven and end times and all sorts of great stuff. There's so many layers and so much depth to this that we could, um, we could, we could work through for, for years. Um, but I just want to highlight this passage in Ezekiel 47, um, and which is part of like a, a wider portion of the book of Ezekiel from chapters 40 to 48, where he has like this vision of God's temple. And it's, it's nine chapters, effectively, of Ezekiel giving um, this vision that God's given him of his temple, how his temple is to look, how his temple is to operate in the earth. Um, and so that's what, in, in Ezekiel 47, it's a specific, specific, <laughs> specific portion of um, that prophecy about God's temple. Now, Ezekiel's written in the Old Testament, so for them, the temple was actually a physical building where God's presence was housed. Um, but Ezekiel's visions went far beyond just the, the day exactly where he prophesied them. He was looking at the future. He was looking into the heavenly times. He was looking into um, the New Testament when Jesus has come. And, and how many know now today, what is, the, what is God's temple? Where, where is God's temple today? You can, you can answer that. It's us, isn't it? It's us. The Bible says that very clearly multiple times in the New Testament, that we are now the temple. Whereas in the Old Testament... His presence was confined to a building, to a, you know, it was a tent, a tabernacle, and then an actual tent, a temple building. Today, he says his presence is actually in us. Because of what Jesus has done, he's like a super brief overview of the gospel. Jesus has come and he has paid the price. He became our sin. He was murdered on the cross so that we can now become clean and righteous, just like him. So we have God's presence in us because Jesus has made us clean and right. In the Old Testament, they didn't have that. So God's presence would have to live in a temple, and they were dirty sinners, and they would have to come to the temple, offer sacrifices to God there, and then go away. But today, how many are so grateful we don't come to church today, encounter God's presence, and then have to go and live without his presence for the rest of your seven days? But we actually come in, we can join all together, have a, a communal gathering in his presence, and go away and live with his presence in us all through the week. So, so we are his temple. So turn to the person next to you say, you are his temple. 
and then say to them, oh, and so are you. <laughs> and so, and the person behind you, so you're his temple too. We're all his temple. Um, I want to just quickly read one scripture which actually highlights this, because this is not just my idea. Um, God said this very plainly. Before we read the passage from Ezekiel, I just want to read one scripture, because it also gives us a bit of a, an important clarification around that. Um, this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Um, I'll read it first from the NET, if you're able to pop that one up for me, Josh, here. It says very clearly, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Um, you probably couldn't say it much more plainly than that. <laughs> Don't you know you are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you? So tell the person next to you again to say, remember, you are his temple and his spirit lives in you. Now, it's important to recognize, though, um, two things. When Paul was writing this scripture, one, he wrote it um, to a, a, a church, a group of people. So, you know, th this, um, this is part of the book of Corinthians. He was writing to the church in Corinth. It would be as if Paul or a great apostle somewhere has written a letter specifically to the church at Breakthrough. Um, and he said, hey, guys, I want you to know this. Now, in the, in the English language, which we speak today, when we say the word you, it could mean a number of things. So I could say, um, I want you to know that you're God's temple. Now, I could be saying that to Cam, saying, Cam, I want you to know that you're God's temple. Or I could be saying that to the whole group of you and saying, I want you to know that you're God's temple. And both would actually be grammatically correct, wouldn't they? Because you could mean a single or you could mean a collective. It could be plural. In the English language, we actually don't have a different, different word. There's no way of distinguishing them. Um, in the, the, the ancient Greek that, that, um, that Paul wrote in when he was writing the book of Corinthians, there actually are two different words. There's a you singular and a you plural. I'm not going to try and say them or spell them because I don't speak Greek, but I'm just going to get you to trust me that I read this stuff and people who are much smarter than me <laughs> said this, and I'm just relaying the information to you. I could tell you what the words are, but would it actually make any difference to your day <laughs> or your life whatsoever, hearing me say the words or not? Um, so there, there, are, there are separate Greek words for you, the individual, or you, the plural. Um, and when you actually look at this passage, it very clearly says he's actually speaking to the plural. He's speaking to a collective. He is not saying here, it's not the individual you. He's not saying to Cam, you're God's temple, and you're God's temple, and you're God's temple. Now, that's not inaccurate. Every one of us have God's spirit in us. Every one of us are temples of the Holy Spirit. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's totally wrong. But actually, when the Bible says it, it's in the, the sense that he's saying you collectively, <laughs> you as a group combine to become God's temple. Um, and a number of the other translations actually, um, they, uh, they express this in different ways. They um, they extend it to try and make that really clear. I've got a few of the um, translations actually on there. Josh, if you could just quickly go through some of those ones for me. NLT, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you? So they've said, because it's the you plural, we want to translate that in a way to make you realize it's all of you together, um, which is actually, I think, a very accurate way of representing that. Um, and the Amplified Classic do not, do not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary. So he's saying, hey, you, the whole church, all together, you're, you're the temple. Um, I think, do I have one more back there, Josh? 
Two more. Oh, there we go. Even more prepared than I realized. Um, you want to throw the next one up for us? Oh, the Passion Translation. Don't you realize that together you have become God's inner sanctuary? The Spirit of God makes his permanent home in you. Together you've become God's inner sanctuary. Oh, was it different? Did I, sorry. Go back to the, other, the previous one. Sorry, Mr. And that God's Spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually. It's saying so. But so it, it's highlighting, <laughs> thanks to the Amplified, it's like, let's say all the things, <laughs> all the bits of it. <laughs> um, but it, 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 they're highlighting that the truth underneath that this word you is a collective you. Um, does that make sense? It's not, a, it's not an individual you. So I want you to now turn to the person next to you and say, we are the temple. We are, do the amplified. All of us collectively together as a communal body are the temple together communally, corporately. Um, so as we read this story now in Ezekiel 47 of God's slip and slide, and it talks specifically about the temple, I want us to think of the temple specifically as us, you know, the collective us, the collective we, we, we are that temple. So one more time. So we are that temple. Okay. So let's, let's go, let's read this. It's Ezekiel 47 verses one to 12. Um, I'm just going to read through it. Um, and we're going to, as we do it, sort of enact it out on the slip and slide. So you can try and read along at the same time, or you can just follow along. That's, um, that's fine too. So we're going to read this story of the temple and God's slip and slide. If you want to pop that up for me, thank you, Josh. It says, then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple. Remember, we are that temple. I noticed that water was flowing out from under the uh, threshold of the temple towards the east for the temple faced east. Um, so it's saying there's some water that's coming out from, from under the door of the temple. That's a bit weird. They must be having a slip and slide inside. Um, he brought me back to the entrance. Uh, sorry. Then he led me by the, out by way of the north gate and brought me around to the outside of the outer gate that faces towards the east. And I noticed that the water was trickling out from the south side. So let's pause there for one sec. Um, he's talking about all the different sides and faces of the temple. There's all different significance there. We won't go into that today. Let's just go the, the, the simple truth in it. Um, and he says, I looked at this temple, and he says there was some water trickling out under the door. So he's like, you look at a building, it's like, oh, there's some water, there's some water trickling out under the door. So we're going to say that, remember, we are the temple. Let's pretend that we, the temple, are up here. And so we're going to start our slip and slide going here today. And he said there was some water trickling out from under the door. So I'm going to, what, what's a trickle look like? Is that, is that fair, do you reckon? We've got a trickle trickling out from under the door. We'll pour a little bit more. We've got a trickle coming out under the door of the temple. So he comes to the temple and says, oh, okay, there's this bit of water trickling out from under the door. All right, what's going to happen next? Uh, let's go to the verse so the man went out towards the east with a measuring line in his hand, and he measured 1,750 feet and then led me through water, which was ankle deep. So I'm going to come down here now for our slippers. Hopefully this uh, doesn't kill our lighting too much. So we're going to shorten our distances a bit for today, if that's all good, because I don't really want to walk 1,750 feet out that way, if that's all good. So we were at 1,750 feet, and he said, oh, there was this trickle coming out from under the door, and now it's ankle deep at this point. Now, firstly, what, what do we notice about that? It's increased. What, what should a trickle do? Dissipate. A, a trickle doesn't increase <laughs> as it flows. Notice I poured our trickle there. I'm not standing in ankle deep water. I'm standing in 
in no water. We've even got a, a really nice drop off and everything, but there's nothing going on here. So the water was ankle deep. Let's keep reading. Uh, it says, again, he measured 1,750 feet. So I'll take another step. And he led me through the water, which was now knee deep. Then he led me and measured 15, 1,750 feet, led me through the water, which was waist deep. So I'm getting back here, and now it's up to my waist. Again, this is, this is not what's going on <laughs> in our example here. So there's something supernatural happening in this situation. Let's keep reading. Again, he measured 1,750 feet, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. So by the time our trickle has reached Joe and her camera, Joe and her camera no more. They've been swept away. <laughs> this is a torrent that we can't even, you can't even cross. It's such a flowing, strong torrent of water. So th this has not just increased a little bit. This has increased and increased and increased to the point that it's sweeping stuff away. Um, that's not the natural order of things, is it? <laughs> that's not what should happen, uh, should happen to a trickle. Uh, let, let's keep reading the next few verses. So he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I'd returned, I noticed a vast number of trees on the banks of the river on both sides. So he's noticing that this stream, which is here, it started as a trickle. It's become this river, this torrent of water. And not only that, now he's noticing this river is actually sprouting trees. There's life and growth and all these sort of things sprouting out of it, out of this river, which began as a trickle. Um, and he said to me, these waters go out towards the eastern regions and flow down into the Rift Valley where they enter the Dead Sea, where the sea is stagnant, the waters become fresh. All right, let's pause here for another minute. So this, again, is something totally against the natural, which is happening in this river. It started as a trickle. It's become bigger and bigger and bigger until it's a torrent. It's causing life and trees and vegetation to sprout up and, and grow everywhere. And now it's flowing into the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea is an actual sea where it's stagnant. It's called the Dead Sea because it's dead. <laughs> it's stagnant. It's extreme. Oh, thank you. But what is the Dead Sea? Siri just told me. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I feel like every time I preach that happens, my watch speaks back to me. I need to turn it off. Um, and uh, so it's flowed. It's become a torrent. All this life is flowing up. And it's flown to the Dead Sea where it's dead, it's stagnant, it is the saltiest body of water on the face of the earth because it, it's stagnant, nothing moves. Um, you know, I, was, I was reading up a bit about it and there's, so there's no vegetation can grow there apart from a couple little shrubs and stuff like that. It's just a place of death and saltiness and, and it's stagnant. And this says that when the, the river pours into the Dead Sea, it said the Dead Sea became fresh. What should happen if you get a big bucket of salty, salty water and pour a cup of, of fresh water into it, what happens to that water? It all becomes salty. The fresh water just gets swallowed up in saltiness. Maybe it's like microscopically less salty than before because <laughs> you've got a tiny bit of salt in it. But really the difference is, is, is minute. It really means nothing. But um, in this case, it says actually the water flows into the Dead Sea and the salty water is becoming fresh. That's against the natural order of things as well. So, you know, let's keep going. Um, every living creature that swarms where the, river, where the river flows will live. There will be many fish, for these waters flow there. It will become fresh, and everything will live where the river flows. Again, this is backwards. Nothing can live in the Dead Sea because it's dead, it's salty. Fish can't live in there because it's too salty. It's stagnant, it's death. 
but it's saying where this water flows, suddenly it's bringing life and there's going to be animals um, flourishing and, and thriving and it's bringing life. It's bringing, it's bringing freshness, again, against the natural order. Fishermen will stand beside it from En Gedi to En, en Um Yep. They will spread nets. They will catch many kinds of fish like the fish of the great sea. Uh, I'll keep reading the last couple of verses. Um, but its swamps and its marshes will not become fresh. They will remain salty. So it's saying the parts that stay stagnant, they won't become fresh. But where the water flows and comes in, it becomes fresh. It becomes full of life. On both sides of the river's banks, every kind of tree will grow for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail, but they will bear fruit every month. We can leave that there. So it's talking about this amazing picture of life um, uh, of life that's growing, and the sea becomes fresh, and there's fish flourishing, and there's, there's trees, and there's life. Again, all against the natural order. Um, let's look back at our, our example here. What should have happened to that trickle is more or less what's happened to ours. It didn't even make it off the stage. <laughs> you know, if we had this example here, all that would happen is at the end of the service, whoever's cleaning up would say, oh, one of the kids spilt their drink. Wipe that up. And that's the end of it. No one in the universe besides that will ever know that there was a trickle here. <laughs> that's the only evidence of it. But this is talking about this trickle becomes a stream, becomes a river, becomes a flood, which is then changing the whole environment. It's changing the whole atmosphere. It's, it's causing the sea where there was death and it was saltiness to become full of life and to become, um, to become a, a, a paradise, an Eden a, a, of life and vitality and growth. All this against the natural order. Um, so what does this mean for us as, as the church? Because remember, this all started up here at the temple. And what's the temple? We are the temple. <laughs> this is us. And this stream, this fresh water, this living water, trickles out from us. And Ezekiel has this prophetic picture that God's saying there's a stream or a trickle that comes out from you, collective you, which then goes against the natural order and becomes bigger and bigger and full of life and becomes this torrent. But it doesn't just become, it doesn't just do that. Then it goes into the, the place of death. This life comes up from outside you, come, goes into the place where there's death, where it's stagnant, and it changes the atmosphere. In the natural order of things, if this river went into the, the Dead Sea, even, you know, Ignore the fact it started to trickle. Even if it was a river pouring into the Dead Sea, it's not going to make it less dead. <laughs> the, the river should be the one that gets influenced. The river should go into the sea and become salty water. But in this uh, vision of Ezekiel's, it says the sea became fresh. <laughs> the river was the one setting the agenda and, uh, and influencing the sea and influencing that there. Um, I think that's a, an amazing picture of what God has given us as his temple, um, collective us, as his temple here, to be influencing the environment and influencing what's around us. You know, let's take a minute and think about, you know, in this example, the temple is us. What is, what is our dead sea? You know, this water flows into the, into the dead sea. What if we say the dead sea? It's anywhere there's death. <laughs> what if we say that the dead sea is, is our community? here in Bayswater. <laughs> you know, God has planted us as his temple very deliberately and specifically here. Um, God, um, without going through the whole story and, and everything, God very specifically planted our church in this facility here almost 10 years ago um, and made it very clear, I've got you to be here 
in this region, in this eastern region, as a, for a very specific purpose. Purpose. It's not an accident. We're not here just because we happen to be here or there was a free factory. <laughs> um, we're here because God called us to this place, to this eastern region, to, to this community in Bayswater in the eastern region. And I want us to look at this and say, we are this temple. Let, let's for now look at our, our community around us and say, our community, that's our Dead Sea. That's our Dead Sea. Because if we look out at our community right now, how many would agree there's a, there's a bit of death <laughs> going on? Now, would, would anyone agree with that? That if you look in society, if you look in our culture, there's, there's a lot of death going on. If you look in, even um, specifically in Bayswater, this is an area where there is, there is people in serious hardships. <laughs> you know, this is an area where there are people who are going through serious stuff. This is an area where there are, there are people who are hurting and who are broken. Um, there's death. <laughs> there's, it's a place where there's, there's things that are stagnant. There are beautiful people and people we love. But this is a place that it needs life. <laughs> it needs that to flow into it. Um, and, and God has specifically said he's planted us here. Uh, as his church, as his temple, and he has a vision. He has spoken this vision that this water should pour out from us and should be influencing and changing our community. Um, you know, sometimes as Christians, we can sort of have that insulated mindset that it's like we, we as the temple are here and we have all our living water in us here, and then we pray, God, bring the people here to us so that they can experience our living water. And I'm, hey, I'm not at all against people coming here to church. I love that. That's great. That's a part of this. Um, but the vision that God gave Ezekiel, the vision that God has spoken here, is that we as the church are here, is that this living water is pouring out through us, and it's getting out there, and it, the water flows to the Dead Sea, and it's changing the community. <laughs> it's changing the Dead Sea. You know, I, I wholeheartedly, passionately believe that our community here should be so much better off because we're here. You know, um, it, uh, uh, do you believe that? I believe our community should be stronger, should be better because we are here, because we've been planted here, because God's temple is here. Our community should be better. They're, you know, I really believe that there should be lower crime rates in Bayswater because we're here. <laughs> I really believe that there, there should be restoration in Bayswater. There should, be, there should be life flowing in the local schools because we're here. Not because we're special. Don't get any, any sense or any misconceptions that's because I think we're amazing and I think we've got something really valuable to give. No. We'll talk about that in a minute. We've got a trickle, mate. <laughs> we've got a trickle that on its own is absolutely useless and absolutely inconsequential. But because God has planted his temple here, his people here, and he's ordained us here, our community should be better off. Um, I, I propose that our community should not be getting darker and darker. There's a, um, you know, there's sometimes a, a, I don't know, a perception that we can have as Christians that it's like, well, the world's getting darker and darker, and we as the church will shine brighter and brighter. And that's not in, in, in totally incorrect. I'm not, I don't totally disagree with that. The Bible says specifically that the end times, um, you know, perilous times will come. It, the Bible talks about, you know, the end times, things are going to get seriously dark and seriously weird and murky out in the world. So I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong. But I do believe it's totally wrong for us as the church to sit here and say, well, the world's getting darker and darker. <laughs> the world's going to get darker and darker. And we're just going to sit here and shine brighter and brighter in the darkness. No, I, I really propose that if we're doing this, if we're being God's temple, those around us, our community shouldn't be getting darker and darker. Our community should be being influenced like the Dead Sea. Our community should be changing and should be having life flow into it. You know, I, I wrote a um, I, I wrote a quote as I was as I was preparing my notes. I, I wanted to just read. I felt like it was something specific God gave me to say here that that we're supposed to influence 
our culture. Um, sometimes we can be so hell-bent on not being influenced by our culture that we can insulate ourselves from being out there and influencing our culture. Um, and that's partly valid. It's vital not to be swept up in the saltiness of the Dead Sea. I'm not saying that we just go out there and be influenced. But this picture is that this water flows out and it influences. I said, if the only way that the world around us can find Jesus is by coming into our temple, then something is drastically wrong. If living water is holed up in the temple and our strategy of evangelism is to try and pull them in from the Dead Sea into our temple so they can experience Jesus, then I don't believe we've tapped into the true transformational power of the gospel. The gospel is an outward moving force. It's like this stream in Ezekiel pouring out from the temple, growing with supernatural life and momentum and changing the environment around it. If we truly are God's ambassadors, bringing his breakthrough love and power to the world, then we are out there. We're influencing culture and shaping our community by the power of the gospel. Um, do you agree with that today? Do you believe that? And that's not in any way, uh, as I say that, I don't in any way, like that is our church's heart. I'm not in any way pointing fingers and saying, you guys think this, you guys think this. I'm not. I'm reinforcing, I think, a, a belief in a culture that's already here. But I really believe it's a God-breathed word for us right now that if he has called us and he has mandated us as his temple to influence our community. You know, we want our community to come and to meet Jesus, but I believe he has called us to influence our community to bring life, to bring life. Like in this picture, the Dead Sea suddenly sprouting with plants, the Dead Sea suddenly sprouting with fish. You know, just start to think for me, what would it look like for us to influence our community around here in that way? You know, this is obviously a vision. It's a picture of that, and it's talking about a salty water becoming fresh and full of life and, and fish and plants and all these things representing life. What, it would, what would it look like for that water to flow out through us and for our community around here to be filled with life? Just start to think about it. Even let God put a picture in your heart. Think about what could it look like for our community to have life flowing up where there was death? You know, think about what would happen to the situations of homelessness <laughs> right around us in this community right here. You know, what would, what would happen for the, the single parents who have, you know, are running out of money and have no way to get by? What would happen to the kids who are in cycles of poverty in the local schools? What would happen in this community for it to be influenced and changed because we're here? Not because we're anything special, but because of God's power working, because of that transformational power of the gospel. Um, you know, in, in Jeremiah chapter 29, um, I will, I'll, I'll, just, I'll read it to you really quickly. Um, Maybe as I do this, maybe um, uh, musicians, if you guys want to just pop up um, and you can start playing, that would be great. I'm still going to... I'm not finishing just yet, though. Don't worry. They can just play while I keep preaching. Um, and this is when um, the, the people of Israel have been exiled into Babylon. So they're in a, they've been sent to a, a foreign land where it seems like they've been ripped away from their houses, they've been ripped away from their homeland... God had promised them a land and they were there, but then because of their sin, they've been torn away, taken into exile. And now it's like, what do we do now? We're in, we're in, in the land surrounded by, we're in Babylon. We're in a foreign land where it's evil. Um, and it says here in verse 4, The Lord God of Israel who rules over all says to those he sent into exile um, to Babylon from Jerusalem, Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what you produce. Marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and let your daughters get married, grow in number, 
Don't, um, do not dwindle away. Verse 7, work to see that the city where I sent you as exiles enjoys peace and prosperity. Pray to the Lord for it, for as it prospers, you will prosper. He says, pray to the Lord for the prosperity of your city. He's saying, hey, I know that it's not, in their case, it wasn't where they were meant to be. But he said, while you're there in Babylon, pray for the prosperity of your city. God has placed us here in Bayswater, and I believe we have a, a responsibility to seek God to see the prosperity of Bayswater. Now, when I say prosperity, I'm talking about, like money is like such a small, tiny part of prosperity. <laughs> I'm talking about prosperity of souls, prosperity of, of mental health. I'm talking about, you know, seeing substance abuse dissipate <laughs> in Bayswater. I'm talking about seeing people freed from depression and anxiety, seeing people with, with strong mental health in this community because of the work God does in and, and through us here. People prospering in their spirit and their soul. Ultimately, people coming to know Jesus. But we're talking about the, the prosperity of, of a city. <laughs> you know, because God has placed us here, we have a responsibility. We have a mandate to see this city transformed. We have a mandate to see the Dead Sea here become fresh water. To see the, this community become a place where there's life, where it's flourishing, where it's growing, where it's thriving. Um, I know that, and that might seem overwhelming. You know, you can look at us and say, well, what, like 40 of us in the room? I don't know, the super kids, is, you know, a few of us online. <laughs> it's like, maybe it would be great to preach this message if you're, I don't know, Hillsong or Elevation or a church that's got real influence, you know. But what was the, um, what was the first part of that story? Was it began with the trickle? <laughs> um, God made it really clear from the start. He was going to influence a whole sea. And it began with a trickle. <laughs> he says, I just need your trickle. I just need your trickle. You know, there's two keys. If that trickle never left the temple, then what does God have to work with? <laughs> He's like, you can't influence if your trickle stays holed up inside your four walls. If you keep your trickle all safe and consumed. You know, out there, it's not that safe in the world. But if you keep your, if you keep your living water holed up and, and closed up here, is that, well, then it can't influence. It can't do anything. It's got to be moving. Do you notice, we won't go back and read it, but right near the end of that story we read in Ezekiel 47, it specified, it said, but the areas where the water remained stagnant stayed salty. It says there's this, it's this amazing story of life flowing and salty water becoming full of life and fish and trees and all this sort of stuff going on. But it does specify, it says, but the parts where the water stayed stagnant, nothing happened. Just, just saltiness, just death. He says, stagnant water will not do this. He's like, you don't need to have any power or significance in the natural or anything else. All I need from you is a trickle. <laughs> All I need from you is to say, I'm willing to let my water move. <laughs> I'm going to push my water out the door. It might seem like the tiniest trickle. And look, honestly, like, let, let's be really real about this. Let's look at the size of this community, the size of this eastern region versus the significance in the natural of what we can do collectively as God's temple. Um, you know, this, this trickle I've poured way over represents us. <laughs> really, you know, I could have done a tiny little drop and that would probably be closer in the natural to what we've got. But that's fine <laughs> because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big our trickle is. God says, all I need is your trickle. All, all, all I need is your trickle. Um, to be moving. So what, what does this mean for you, for me? We're a part of this. Remember we said at the start, we are, we are the temple. 
Yeah, remember, turn to the next person next to you, remind them. Remember, you're the temple. We're the temple. We're together. And this trickle that we've drawn there, this represents us. This is our trickle. I think one of the, the, the really beautiful things for me about this, um, the, this story is it's not the, um, the growth of the trickle is entirely supernatural. Um, it's not in any way any part natural. That um, it doesn't say, um, all right, you know, Pastor Peter had a little trickle and then Graham gave a trickle. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Peter. Pastor Peter had a little trickle. It sounds like back to toilet training. But no, you know, Pastor Peter had, had a little influence and you know, Graham gave a little trickle and then Ethan came and gave a little trickle and Winston gave a little trickle. And when you build, when you, when you combined all the trickles, oh, look, it made a stream. Um, that's not what it says. It doesn't say that the more trickles we bring together, it says that we collectively together are the trickle. Really, we collectively together are inconsequential. <laughs> Without God intervening, the influence that we have should dry up like this trickle and no one would ever know we existed. But thank God that's not the end of the vision. <laughs> thank God it didn't finish the verse one that said, hey, they made a trickle. At least it kept them busy and gave them something to do. Um, no, it says that when we come together, and we let our trickle flow out and pour out to those around us, to the needy, the broken, the hurting, into the Dead Sea, that God used that and he built that into a torrent. It doesn't say how. It doesn't explain what God did. It says that it was gradual. It wasn't just an instantaneous from a trickle to a torrent. It became ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep, and then, and then it became a torrent. Beyond that, it gives us no clue as to how God does it, which is great because it's not our job. <laughs> Our job is to give him our trickle and then to, to give unto him <laughs> and say, now, God, do with it. Do with it as you will. Do with it as you will. So what does this mean for us? Um, there, there are two things I'd love to, to challenge you and encourage you very specifically to do out of this. <clears throat> the first one is I would love to encourage you to be a wholehearted part of that trickle. Um, you know, we collectively are the trickle, but the trickle would love to have your part in it, your bit of the trickle. Maybe you say, but I'm, but what am I? I'm nothing. I'm a drop, a, a little tiny drop out of an eyedropper. That's all I am. That's great. Well, look at the torrent that can become <laughs> with us. You know, maybe you say, oh, but I, I have no, I have no value. You know, yeah, that trickle, that's great for you preaching on the stage or, you know, the guys leading worship or the ones who are anointed or called or ministers or whatever. No, that, that is absolutely 100% wrong. This trickle is us. This is every one of us coming together, giving our part, being the part of the body that God has called us to do. This is a single trickle and it needs your part in it. So I would encourage you wholeheartedly pour yourself into that trickle. Um, connect deeply in with community. Connect deeply in with, with, with family and community here and bring your part of what you have and say, God, this might not seem like much, this might seem inconsequential. Maybe it's, I'm, I can help with some cleaning or some doing whatever or serving some toasties at the local school or doing, any, doing the little most menial tiny task, but I'm just going to come and give my part to be a part of this trickle. I'm just going to come and bring my part that I have. On its own, it's a drop. Hey, and even when you combine us, it's just a trickle. But I'm going to come and give that by faith and see what you can do with it. <laughs> I'm not saying that because I'm up here saying, we need you, we need more help. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying God has called us to be a trickle in this eastern region, which is to become 
ankle deep and knee deep and waist deep and a torrent and to influence this community. And if you're here at Breakthrough and God's called you to be a part here at Breakthrough, we would love to invite and exhort you to to bring your trickle, (laughs) to be a part of it, whatever that looks like, whatever your part is, we would just love love to encourage you to be a part of that. So that's my first encouragement to you. You know, maybe there's stuff that's held you back, whether it's fear or insecurity or hurts or um, just being unsure or busyness or the cares of life or whatever. Say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to prioritize. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to get wholeheartedly in part of the trickle. I want to be my part of the trickle and see you amplify that. <laughs> and I want to see you expand that into all the great things that you're doing. So that's number one. Um, number two is I would love for us to then develop such a heart and to cry out for our community. Let's, let's, know, let's not be satisfied looking out at the brokenness of our community and saying, man, it's really dark out there. No, God's put us here, so let's get our trickle out there and let's see it change. <laughs> let's see what he can do. Let's see what he can work in and through us in this community. I really believe in this season um, God is... God has actually spoken to us prophetically as a church through a number of words over the last 12 months or so that he's calling us to a season of influence. And I really felt that word growing in my heart as I was preparing this for today. And I, I believe this message is, is a part of that. Obviously, we're talking about influence. God has called us to be an influence in our community. I declare that again. This city should be better off because we're here. This city should be different. We are to be the ones setting the atmosphere in this city. You say, but we have no power. We're so small. We're just like, yeah, we're a trickle. But that trickle became the stream which totally changed the complexion of the sea. You know, it, 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 you know, it sounds crazy and far out, but it's, it is based purely on this the word and sorry, purely on this word of God that we can and we are called to totally transform the culture of this city. You know, that's big picture, but that's what God has called us to do. We can see this city change. Hey, it'll be gradual. Hey, it'll be a step at a time. But we are called to see this city change. In fact, I'd love you to do something with me. We're going to be starting to close in a few minutes. But would you stand with me for a few minutes? I want us to actually start to do that together as a family. I want God to start to put such a burden in our hearts for this community and to start to cry out to Him and pray for that. If you guys even want to start to pick that up behind me, we're going to spend a couple of minutes just praying together as a family. Yeah, yeah. You're the pastor. You can share whatever you want. Um, well, we, are, we are the... The, the community here at Breakthrough, we are the temple. Um, we are this temple, and I'd love us to, to join together and pray for that, but go for it. I really appreciate this is such a powerful illustration of a powerful truth. You know, the book of Revelation talks about humanity as this seed. Jesus said, he said, um, I'm going to make you fishermen. You know what I mean? That was, to go, where do you find fish? In the sea. And, um, he didn't say, I'll cause you to stand and have an amazing service and the fish will be just so inspired they'll leave and jump out of the water and come and find you. Fishing with, involved going out into the ocean with the nets going into it. It's, it's sort of a, we, we, I really love what Caleb's saying. But it starts with a trickle, but it increases as it goes into the ocean. It goes out. Do you know what I mean? We, we can't stand here and say, God, increase us. He says, will you take what you've got you know, the, the loaves yeah, and good. the fishes principle. The loaves and the you t- you've got to put it out there. It didn't. It didn't get bigger the more they held on. 
you know, there's many parables that Jesus talked about. He gave resources and then left. You know, the, the ten miners, the, the, the you know, the, um, the the talents and things like that. He put them in their hands. And the one he said was the worst was the one that buried it. Because they thought if it's buried, it's safe. As opposed to the ones who put it out and it got bigger. It's, it gets mm. bigger as you use it, not as you hold on to it. And yeah, um, we, we've, got, we've really had... We've been blessed to have Richard and Nicole here with the boys. And um, those that don't know Richard and Nicole have been part of our church for many years, but they've, they've moved up to the country, up to Cobram. Uh, you live in Cobram, is that right? Pokemore, just near, nearby. And um, up in northern, New, um, northern northeast Victoria um, uh, for Richard's work. They've been up there for about 12 months and visiting us today. But there's... The reason I mention that is they moved up and they've become part of a church up there. And Jordan, can you put a video up? And I just want to—it's it's do with the trickle. So I haven't. This is a, a short. Okay, can you see that? Richard sent me this. He said that's a church in Cobram. Where that? And they said it couldn't fit the people in today. It was just amazing what God's doing in this small country town. Um. Then there's an, but he's, and now can you show the video of? Not the video, the photo. Next photo I sent Jay. That one there. Is that in the church? Is that? Okay. In their church, they have a little plaque to got someone. He's, he's, this, this man, Jeff McKimmon, has passed away. But they, as an honor to him, because he was the reason that church was founded. Jeff moved from Yarrawonga to Cobram. There was a church in Cobram. And he was there. And basically, because he was in Cobram, they started the church. And they made that church. And, and it was very small and it struggled for many years. He's passed on. But now the church is there, and they're re- honoring him. Um, next photo. Here's a photo of me with Jeff McKibben's son. I met Jeff, and we used to play football together as 15-year-olds. And I talked to him about this thing I'd found called Jesus and how exciting it was. And he was a Catholic, and he was, yeah, 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 no, no, no. But we hung out together. We became friends. And one night, Jeff sat in my lounge room, not mine, my family's lounge room, and my mum showed him something called the Four Spiritual Laws. Anyone remember that? And she showed him how he could become a follower of Jesus. And he, in that, little, in that lounge room, said yes. I didn't know that that trickle, can we put the video back up, the first one? is now that. <laughs> How awesome is that? Yeah. Rich and Nicole are up there now. So we're sort of yeah, that's going, good. going full circle. But it didn't start with, you're going to plant a church. This is what's going to happen. It just started with sharing with a friend, being open. It's interesting. Jordan's done the same. He went to the basketball. I went to football. He went to basketball. Called his friend. Ethan's going to start a church in country Victoria. Who knows? <laughs> I'm just saying, who knows what Ethan's going to do? Yeah. And I'm not meaning that in a... It, who, who knows what this trickle is going to turn into? What a flood. What a flood. And that's, you know, and you know, I, I know, I know success has many fathers, but failure is an orphan. <laughs> when things go well, we all have a hand in it. <laughs> I'm not the only father in this situation. You know what I mean? Jeff and I, you know, very close. And um, But there was a lot of other people influenced. A lot of other people would have a reason why there's a church in Cobra. You know what I mean? 
But what I'm, I, I just thought that with Richard and Nicole here, and, and Richard has sent this video to me. You don't know what your trick will do. But I can tell you something. It will do nothing in the water bottle. Mm. It does not expand until it's put out. And you do any... And we do it together. I love what Caleb said. This is not, oh, I put my trickle with your trickle. We are the trickle. We are. We. It's a plural thing. We are the trickle. It doesn't get big because we combine. It gets big because we put it out and we do something with it and we minister into the world. We together do whatever we can just to reach our world. I help you. I encourage you. I had friends who encouraged me to reach out to Jeff. Jeff, then we had friends and we all connected together and together we grew and we had revival. We had revival. Jeff, Jeff was moved away from Yarrawonga. His father sent him to, to his grandfather's farm to, to work the farm. 16 years of age, he was in charge of working the farm because his grandfather had passed away, clearing blackberries. We went out there and um, we camped. We did all sorts of things. It was terrible. You know, the bleach nothing weird <laughs> things that went wrong we broke a tractor going to a place but oh just but I also remember one night in this little old prefab little, terrible little building with this and at night there was half a dozen of us guys out there and we put on Bill Driscoll who was a musician today but if you were singing I Exalt Thee from an old cassette player and the room filling with the glory of God, the presence of God, and us praying and praying and praying. And the workers of the farm would come and peer in the windows to see what's happening with these young 16-year-olds. Glory of God working. Yeah. But we just took a trickle, and you just use it. You just got to do something with it. You, you cannot, the trickle cannot stay in these walls. We cannot say, God, make this such a big place that the world will come when he says take what we have and just take it into whatever world we are in mm, and whatever yeah. part we're in so Caleb just lead us in that yeah that's good that's good yeah I and mean, if you guys want to start to pick that up behind me I'd love us just to, to pray together let's just spend a few minutes in God's presence here I believe God's working in our hearts individually and as a as a body here let's cry out for him for, for this this community and to see this trickle these see this true cries. I want, I want you to just uh, to start to cry out, cry out for this community, for those around you. Start to cry out to see that, to see the sea change. Cry out for the Dead Sea, for the saltiness to be restored to life, for the death to be raised into life, for where there's death, for where there's brokenness, for where there's hurting. Let God put specific parts of this community in your heart. Let, let him start to raise things in your heart. Maybe it's the young people. Maybe it's the mums. Maybe it's the kids in schools. Maybe it's the elderly. Whatever it is, let him start to raise things in your heart. And we come together, God, as the temple here at, Break, at Breakthrough, this temple you've planted here at Bayswater. And we cry out for the stream to rise, for our trickle to become a stream, to become a torrent, and to influence this community. Oh, we cry out that for that, God. Oh, the pastiri ki andor, you know, I really feel I just want to to highlight now what Pastor Peter just said. He said, "Your your trickle." <laughs> 
cannot and will not increase when it stays in the bottle. It's in the pouring it out that it'll increase. Now, it's really feel my heart. I need to reiterate that again. I believe there are people here online watching now in the future wherever and in you God has put a it's like a, a part of the trickle which is like th- there's great things in that there is great um, expansion and growth in that what he's put in you I feel a sense that even you know that it's like your heart yearns for this your heart yearns for more maybe sometimes at night it's like your heart yearns for these great things because you can just feel it and, and sense it on the inside of you but he says your trickle will grow when you've got to take the cap off and start to pour it out and let it flow. And that, that, can, be, that can be intimidating for so many reasons. Maybe you feel totally inadequate, totally ashamed of who you are and what you've got. Maybe you've got so many scars or brokenness or hurts from things in the past where you've opened up and, and poured out, but it's and it's gone badly. Opening up and pouring out, it's once you put it out there, it's not safe. It's not safe like keeping it closed up in the bottle. But I really feel God is actually birthing it in specific people's hearts right now. Maybe it's one person, maybe multiple. You know what it means. You've got to open up, take the cap off your bottle and let it flow again. Let it pour, let it go. Because he says there is, I want to reiterate, it's not just because we're saying you've got to do that, but he says, in what I've put in you, there is so much capacity for growth. There's so much capacity for that to increase, for that trickle to become a stream, to become a flood. But you just got to let it pour, you got to let it go. I believe to highlight, like, like my mum says so many times, she says there's someone waiting on the other side of your obedience. I declare that <laughs> there is someone, there are some ones. I declare there are many people waiting on the other side of you, you opening that up and let it flow, letting it pour out. I don't think that's for everyone here, but if it's for you, you take that and say, God, I'm going to, I'm going to take that step. I'm going to take the cap off and let it flow. Let it start to pour forth. You know, we'd love to even if, if you, if that resonates with you, if you've got stuff you're working through in that, we'd love to be a part of your journey. You, know, you could come as we're worshiping now, even a pastor would love to pray with you or afterwards come and chat to me or, or one of the pastors. We would, we would love to chat to you and, and pray with you and just help you on that journey. But now I feel to, to close this time, I want us just to come corporately. Like we said, we are the temple. We, we are the body. This, this, this is our trickle. This trickle is us. And I want us just to lift up some worship for a few minutes. And specifically for the sense of crying out for this, for this eastern region, for this city, <laughs> for this community where God has placed us. I want us to cry out and, and pray. I want us to sing that song, Let It Rain. Let's cry out where it says, open the floodgates of heaven. What we're praying and crying by faith is, God, take our trickle and make it a flood. (laughs) Take our trickle and make it a flood. Not because of who we are or what we can do. But Lord, because (laughs) by, 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 by your grace, by everything that you do. And as we do, let, let him start to put 
whether it's people in your life, people in this community, things in your heart, 